Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred, the show shining a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we explore their stories, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Let's break the stigma and celebrate resilience together. This is Kindred, where understanding begins and healing flourishes. Today, we're welcoming Dr. Lisa Robinson, a seasoned psychologist with over two decades of experience, specialized in trauma recovery through cutting-edge techniques like EMDR. Her expertise has not only transformed lives, but also shaped the way we approach resilience in high-stress environments. Get ready for an insightful journey into the world of trauma, healing, and stress management. Without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's great to be here, Aubrey. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit more about what really like got you into EMDR and trauma recovery? Sure. Um, so I was I grew up in the cognitive behavioral tradition, and then I had started my private practice back in around 2013. And I went actually I was I w- was on a ranch called Red Dun Ranch back then, and I went to an actually an Igala. Uh, training uh, weekend certification, which involves horses. Um, And in that training, I attended one that involved uh, the equine assisted therapy and EMDR. And that got me connected to EMDR and very interested in it. And then I um, came back home, decided I was going to pursue that and uh, attended my basic training in 2014 for EMDR. And it is just kind of grown from there because of all the successes that I have with EMDR. It's just a really fantastic therapy that works the majority of the time, has made me a much better therapist than I was before, and is applicable in such flexible ways. Um, So that's how I landed in EMDR. Awesome. So when you say it works most of the time, I mean, you're working with people with really extreme types of situations, veterans, right? Well, not all veterans, you work with other professionals as well. But I mean, they're, you know, some of the most traumatized people. Um, What are some like success stories that maybe you could, without sharing patient details, of course, but, um, you know, what kind of things have you seen be able to transform through your guidance? Sure. Well, so I do work. So I have my private practice uh, and then I have worked for the Houston VA since 2009, I think it was. Um, And so I have um, I use EMDR almost always now uh, at the VA and actually in my private practice. And some of the things that I target, particularly at the VA, because we have, as you might expect, very complicated 
individuals um, who often even have childhood trauma. Uh, and then, of course, they go and they have combat deployments. So with uh, EMDR, you can target the combat uh, traumas, which are uh, pretty extreme and obviously outside the norm for most people. So, for example, um, you can use EMDR to um, help target combat traumas where um, the person is really struggling with intrusive memories or nightmares, uh, lots of guilt. You can imagine what it's like to go over to a combat zone and have to do things that are completely out of the ordinary. For example, uh, I worked with a gentleman who had to shoot a teenager and kill a teenager who was holding an Uzi and shooting at his... Um, his unit. Well, that's all kind of part and parcel of what happens in a combat zone. And his warrior part understands that. But when he comes home, his civilian part, the way he was raised, there's this big battle between those, those two parts of self. Um, and so we had to process that trauma and help him um, help his brain kind of digest all the pieces of that experiences uh, of that experience rather and come to kind of some sort of resolution around the differences between operating in civilian world and the rules and such versus operating in a combat zone so what you see is the trauma will start to move through and fade and guilt and negative beliefs around self will start to shift to where um, the guilt is is resolved and they can understand it in a much broader way so what role does EMDR play in that process? Mm -hmm. So when um, big things will, when things happen to us, our brain has to work through those pieces, those experiences. And most of the time that's easy peasy, right? We have a difficult experience. We think about it, talk about it, feel about it, dream about it. And our brain is able to make sense of it and store it away in the brain in the right way. Um, but when big things like traumas happen, sometimes that process that the brain goes through stalls out. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. Uh, so the job isn't finished in terms of uh, processing through what happened. And so it becomes a traumatic memory and traumatic memories are stored in the brain differently. Um, and so with EMDR, what you go do is you go in and you pull up that memory that is kind of creating all this distress and symptoms and you help the brain um, that system reboot and finish the job so the the, the storage of the memory uh, changes in the brain. It's shifted from a traumatic memory and how that's stored into uh, a normal memory, which is stored differently and in a more adaptive way in the brain. And when you're able to do that, when you're able to help the brain finish the work, symptoms come down, the memory becomes a part of our past. It doesn't haunt us in the same type of way. So you're saying like some examples that are coming to my mind are like when people um, are like waking up with nightmares or they're experiencing like flashbacks, mm -hmm. the memory is sort of stuck and not processing in the right way. So it's kind of like sending everything else out of whack. Correct. It is stored incorrectly in the brain. And technically those experiences, those symptoms you're referencing, nightmares, um, intrusive memories through the day, or your brain's attempt to finish the job but it's a really awful thing. So I wake up from the nightmare or I push the memory away and I don't allow, or I, I'm not able to kind of process through. Um, so yes, and so once we get in there and we use EMDR to help the brain um, target that and finish that work, symptoms like those come down. So do you sometimes, I, I imagine that this comes up where you're working with somebody who like the, the memory hasn't been stored correctly, um, they're encountering resistance 
around um, just like reprocessing that, like either they they um, consciously don't want to approach it or like they just can't for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, um, sometimes it is intentional and sometimes it's not. But for a lot of people, we have this kind of tuck it away mentality, right? That happened 10 years ago. Why am I still thinking about it? And why would I want to look at that thing again? Because it's one of the more painful points in my life. And so we push it away, we work overwork, we eat too much, we drink too much, whatever we can to get it out of our brain. But that actually works against us in the long term. In the short term, it works because we feel a little bit better. But in the long term, it doesn't allow the brain to finish the job. So then how do you help those individuals who just don't want to face it? Well, so I would say those people probably don't show up in my office very often. Okay. Um, and if they do show up, then it's my job to help them understand what's happening, to help them understand why they're having the symptoms, to help them kind of understand kind of the neurobiology of trauma, meaning how the brain and body respond in trauma, how traumatic memories are creating these problems in life, and to connect that to their goals. Like I always lead with the question, what do you want to see different, better, or change? Because treatment goals are the crux of everything. So if they want to not feel shame about this thing, or they want to stop thinking about it, then it's my job to help them tie their treatment goals, what they would like to see different, better, or changed, to how we can help them achieve that. So then from there, you know, it's like they can, um, they can approach it because they're realizing, okay, well, this is hard, but it's going to, can, it's going to get me to where I want to go. Yeah, some people will decide that. Other times, you may have to start with something smaller or lighter so that they can understand how it works. Or And there's ways to titrate um, EMDR, any trauma-focused treatment, right? So you might start with something way smaller. Um, recent triggers, for example, when uh, they, I don't know, they cowered from a boss because of old stuff. So you might start with the lighter stuff or just a piece of the traumatic event to help kind of desensitize that part and help them get some success and understand how it works and that things do start to shift. And that kind of empowers them sometimes or motivates them sometimes to take on the bigger stuff, which is really the, the reason they are sitting here with me. So, I mean, this is, this is something that you've really seen transform people's lives then. I have. I love EMDR. Um, it, most of the time, the people who are working with me, we're um, meeting their treatment goals. Um, or if we're not able to meet a treatment goal, it's my job to figure out why that might be and to maybe refer them to something else or do some or just sort of prep work to help them reach that uh, or move towards that treatment goal. That's incredible. That must be so rewarding for you. Lisa. It is. It's the reason why I keep doing this, right? People reach their treatment goals. I also do this thing called measurement-based care where you're just using self-report measures. And what you see is high scores will start to drop. And, and if you're doing that on a regular basis, you can show the person you're working with that the score is starting to come down. And it's really helpful to them to see that one, their scores are coming down and two, we're moving in the direction of their treatment goals. Maybe now they're only having one nightmare a week, whereas before they were having three or four. And so I'm very um, tuned in to measurable treatment goals so that they can see that it's working. That's awesome. Okay. I want to, I want to ask you like a totally different question. So you've been working in the field for a long time, right? Like 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. I want to know, um, what ways have you seen the field like grow or stay the same or, or change just like 
how how is it the same or different in the last 20 years that you've been working oh wow that is a great question how is it uh changed i don't know if i have a solid answer for that um i think we well in terms of emdr certainly it's more acceptable right um emdr has a very uh complicated history and um controversial history for lots of reasons. Um, and so it has become more mainstream um, and more acceptable. I know, for example, at the VA, historically, they have um, struggled to accept EMDR. And so that is shifting. Um, and there are a lot more EMDR providers before. Um, so that's changed. Um, more broadly, I don't know if I have a solid answer you know, it's been very much a cognitive, well, that's not exactly true. I, I've been in the cognitive behavioral part and the EMDR part, uh, and my experience with other kind of parts of the field is way more limited. So I don't know if I can comment more broadly on kind of other pieces of the field. I just, I know that with at least EMDR, it has certainly been a shift in the right direction, um, although there's still some, you know, naysayers out there. What do you think, yeah, what is some of the controversy? I, I don't, I haven't heard of this before. Oh yeah, so um, historically, they uh, there have been uh, lots of um, individuals who have claimed that EMDR did not work, um, and there are lots of reasons for that. I don't know all of them, but I know that some of them, some of the controversies were on how EMDR first started. So, for example, it started from an observation. Dr. Shapiro was like walking in the park, and her eyes were going back and forth, and whatever she was thinking about that was upsetting was starting to become less upsetting, and that's how EMDR started from that observation. And so it started from that rather than a theory. Um, and so I know some people have been, had some, some concerns about that. There have been concerns on uh, kind of the, the function of the bilateral stimulus, which is just kind of one piece. This, it's a back and forth stimulus that we use. There have been concerns about kind of why that works because um, we're not exactly certain on why it works, to tell you the truth. We just know that it does. Um, and then there were some concerns around, uh, I believe it was training and how, uh, something around training. I can't remember the exact details. And then I know that there have been some uh, pushback from um, like the VA, for example, like they're very invested in prolonged exposure and cognitive processing theory. And so they had two therapies that the evidence shows works. So there was kind of, I think there's a term for it, pharmaceutical strategy, where if you have two pills that work, why bring on a third, something like that. Uh, and so they had just been resistant to that, to bringing on EMDR, although it is shifting. And there are a lot of VAs at this point that are now looking at the uh, all of the organizations that say that uh, EMDR is an effective um, treatment for, for example, trauma. Yeah, I mean, I don't I have I don't have um, formal training in EMDR, but I was taught in school for art therapy that we can still use like the bilateral stimulation and mm -hmm. um the process of like moving your eyes back and forth to help like decrease the effects of trauma. And I have, you know, witnessed that and somebody else was telling me this recently as well. It's like when, when we're walking, oftentimes there's, um, you know, like an easing of it just like, it's easier for us to talk um, mm -hmm. bilateral stimulation while we're walking as well. 
Yes, it's true, right? Walking is a form of bilateral. Anything that's kind of back and forth, right to left, can be a form of bilateral. And we know that it decreases uh, disturbance or distress, and it can decrease the kind of the vividness of images that are kind of haunting us. Mm -hmm. and, and it induces kind of, or it helps us kind of um, fall into a uh, kind of a more relaxing state. It triggers a parasympathetic uh, response. So my understanding is that you were in Texas and now you're in North Carolina or? Yes, I was uh, just south of Houston for many, many years. And then about a year or so ago, I moved to just south of Asheville. Um, so I love it here. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so you're so, actually mm -hmm. pretty close by me in Hendersonville then. I am, maybe half an hour-ish. Okay, all yeah. right. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about how we can get in touch with you um, and, you know, just because you're licensed in Texas and North Carolina. So if anybody <laughs> wants to reach out to you for help, right, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can certainly visit my website, uh, lisarobinsonphd.com. I have a contact page there that'll send me an email, or you could just uh, call me at 713-922-5339, and that number is also on my website. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. And for those of you listening in, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and check us out on bizradio.us and be sure to like and subscribe. Thanks for having me. Oops. It was great. You're welcome. Thanks again, Lisa. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.